Jesus, thank you that we can be here tonight. Thank you for chapel. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, as we just spend a few more moments together, I pray that you speak to us and let us know something about you and ourselves that we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids, usually I have something in my head that you can do, but tonight I'm just going to ask, and there's like three tiny kids who don't even, they aren't even listening to me right now, so it's not, I don't know why I'm asking, but if you guys could try to just not annoy your parents tonight so they can listen. Tonight's a little bit heavy. Um, I want to talk about like five things. Uh, one of them is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Another one is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Another one is my friend Chad and what he taught me about airplanes. Uh, a really hard one is our friend Anna Niebuhr who recently passed away. And she was part of chapel here, and she was part of a lot that was going on in Kalamazoo. And she impacted a lot of lives, and it's like the saddest thing to have her gone, thinking about her children, missing their mom tonight, thinking about Andrew, her husband, thinking about all of the prayers that we prayed, asking God to heal her. And here we are. And I want to honor her by talking about her tonight because I, I knew Anna and I know that um, she would be okay with it. I want to talk about shootings and guns and people's ideas on how to solve those things. And I want to talk about Jesus. And then I want to talk about airplanes again. So... In World War II, there was, there was a thing happening with Great Britain where they were sending their fighters off. And I may have told some of you this story before. But as they sent a lot of their fighters off, some would come back, some would not come back. And it was getting to the point where they were afraid they might lose the war if they didn't figure out how to lower the damage to their fighter jets. And so as the fighter jets came back, what they would do is they would look over the, the jets and the airplanes and, and they would take the places where all the bullet holes were and they would reinforce them with more steel. And then as they built these new airplanes, they would take the places where all the bullet holes were hitting and they would put stronger steel where that was in hopes that the, the, the planes would last longer and pilots would live. But the problem kept getting worse, and more planes were not coming back. And so I wish I would have remembered his name, but there was, there was one plane engineer who had the guts to stand up and say, I think we're doing this wrong. I think we're enforce, reinforcing the wrong parts of the airplane. And everyone was like, well, why? And he said, we're, reforce, we're reinforcing the airplanes where they're getting shot, but we're only learning where they're getting shot from the planes that are coming back. 
So let's treat this problem in a different way and let's reinforce the planes in areas where they're not getting shot because they're the ones that are returning. And let's assume that the ones that are not coming back are getting shot in the parts that these planes are not getting hit. And so they took that risk and they started to do that and they had the craziest amount of success with their airplanes being returned because someone decided to see a problem, look at it differently than everyone else was looking at it. I'm using Anna's phone for my notes and it times out, so I apologize. I'm not texting anyone. When Anna Niebuhr and Andrew showed up to chapel the first time, I had the biggest smile on my face because like I had worked at the river, they had been at the river, I had left the river, it was not a fun experience leaving and so when they came I was like, oh friends, because you walk away from a lot when you walk away from something and you walk away saying, I'm not going to try to change people's minds or turn people, you just have to kind of let it go. And so when they came, I was excited, not only because they're friends, but because of the potential that those two people brought to chapel. I don't know how many of you know, know this about Anna, but she was a midwife and she sat with mothers. Some of you are here, <laughs> she was with, and helped them welcome their children into the world. When, when my sister Kelly had both of her children, there were complications and people were nervous and Anna Niebuhr was there in the moment with her, telling her exactly how everything was going to be and it's exactly how it went. There are so many people who are grateful for that woman and so when that scary word cancer happens, and, and, and honestly, friends, suffering is that thing that it, it, it really sucks, but it also brings us together. If I said, please raise your hand, if you or someone in your family or someone close to you has ever been affected by cancer, we would all raise our hand and we would look around the room and we would feel closer together because we have all suffered through something together and so when that hit Anna we all did everything we knew in our power to help her fight for some of us it was just I'm going to pray as hard as I can because the Bible says continue to ask and God will give it to you continue 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 and then it ended and some of us experienced like guilt shame did I pray hard enough? Did I not? How's the universe supposed to work? And our, and our knee-jerk reaction is to start reinforcing the airplane with everything we've been taught in church and in our faith and in our lives and, and through our own trauma and through our own fears and through the hurts that we've carried. We want to reinforce and make it better by reinforcing all the parts that hurt. And sometimes I wonder if Jesus is asking us to look at the problem differently. I read on Facebook today, we should just give all the teachers guns. 
and that will solve the problem. And maybe it would. I've also heard we should take everyone's guns away, and that will solve the problem. But, but maybe there's, there's a way that we're trained in this world to approach problems that we just constantly reinforce the thing that hurt. And it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. Now, I'm going to share a vulnerable conversation that I had with Anna, with you, and the reason that it's vulnerable is because of how most people take conversations like this. But the way that I received this conversation was not the way that I think most people receive it, because as I was talking to Anna, we were talking about legacy, and she had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and we were engaging in this reality of what really matters in life and we were standing in the back corner right where my son Xander is seated right now and Danny Van Gint had texted me earlier that morning and she said can we fill gallon bags with goodies for the kids to give away to people and we can give all the kids these bags and we can say this is a treasure hunt we're gonna give you bags and your job is to go out on a treasure hunt and give this soap and toothbrushes and Kleenex and snacks and water to someone that you find like a treasure. Someone who you think needs it, kids. Your eyes are supposed to be open and you're supposed to find this and give this to them. And the kids went back there with Danny and filled them up and had so much joy. And people who were new to chapel came up to me and said, this is the coolest thing ever, man. You're such an awesome pastor. And I said, I know, I thought of that earlier today. Thank you so much. Like God, sometimes God just speaks to me and I just really feel his inspiration. Just kidding. I told them it was Danny's idea and we're a church that tries to empower people with ideas and it doesn't have to be all about the person up front. And that night I, I went up to Anna and I said, we're praying for you. I'm really glad you're here. And she said, when I think about leaving a legacy, this is the only place I would want my kids to be in church because they're learning how to love people. And my mind didn't say, oh great, talking point. Look, we're better than others. No, I, my mind didn't do any of that. My mind thought this. Here's a woman in this moment of her life is closer to God than I have ever been. And she's getting closer every day. And I, I have no idea what it means to be that close to the divine creator of the universe who is in himself wrapped in love. It doesn't matter how many books I read or what I study, something happens as our bodies prepare to meet our Creator and as our hearts begin to understand what it means, we start to reprioritize everything. We start to understand. Things start to shed off of us that were causing us anxiety before. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves closer to God, which is why in the Mr. Rogers movie, when the man is on his deathbed, he whispers something in his ear, and we find out later in the movie he was asking the man to pray for him because that man is closer to God than he will ever be until 
he has his moment. And I felt so humbled in that moment because what it boiled down to right there when we were discussing the word legacy with all of the wisdom in the universe as we approached Anna's creator was teach people how to love. Teach children how to love. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to be right. But you do have to put your, the pedal to the metal of your life on full steam ahead. How can I love better? I was reading people write hundreds of Facebook posts, hundreds of articles all about Anna. And the one quote that stood out to me was a woman who Anna had been her midwife. And the woman said, you made me feel like more than just a black woman. You embraced me in my motherhood. You helped me welcome my child in to the world. And one of the last text messages that I received from one of the most giving people and loving people I've ever known was, thank you, Rod. I was just spending some time in prayer and meditation and visions of opportunities to serve using my midwife education with Edison Chapel. And the YWCA kept filling my head. Although I know my body still needs lots of time to heal, it was encouraging to think of the possibilities that still lie ahead because we had just talked about infant mortality of black and brown children versus white children. And this woman was ready to dive full steam into giving herself to loving others. We were asking if we were praying right. We were asking if we had enough faith. We were asking if we were missing something. Or if we didn't understand how the Bible deals with death or if there was something about God that we were missing. We were asking why. I was. We were reinforcing the airplane in all the places we know the hurt is. She was asking a different question. She was saying, maybe, maybe we're thinking about this wrong. Anna was looking at what is and saying, it's not about my death. It's about all of the death out there. And God has called me to dive into that in some strange way. And so I'm going to until my last breath. I've just been, my mind has been going crazy thinking about this. Because Jesus said that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not die, but will have abundant or eternal life. Life beyond what we can fathom. 
life beyond time, and more importantly than that, life beyond our own understanding of what life is. And then Paul takes that verse and says, I've been crucified with Christ and I don't even live anymore. That Christ lives inside of me. And the life I live, I live by faith in him who loved me and gave himself for me. Chad also taught me about airplanes and I apologize if, I, if I've told you this story before, but he said, he told me one time as we were driving in the middle of Iowa going to help some church do discipleship or something, Chad said, Rod, if I asked you if you believed in airplanes and you said yes, you might take me and show me an airplane. But if I said, do you really believe in airplanes, you might take me up to the airplane and have me touch it. But if I said, do you really, really, really believe in airplanes, you might buy me a ticket and put me on an airplane and show me that you trust that this plane can fly. In most of our lives, we are raised to believe that believing in Jesus is believing the right things about Jesus. But I think the reality of it all is, friends, is this. Listen to those moms trying to quiet their kids so that everyone else can hear. No one else cares. It's only the moms. Just kidding, guys. Maybe to believe in Jesus is to say, I don't think I can fully understand it all. I don't think my brain can comprehend it. But I do believe you died on the cross for me. I do believe you rose from the dead for me. And whatever it is that you're doing in this world, I'm going to jump on that ride because I believe it works. And if I can jump on that ride, then you're ultimately going to call me to love people in more extravagant ways than I could have ever imagined. And so when Anna said that to me, it made me think about housing development with Keith and how a family's life is going to be changed. And we didn't have to do that. We could have raised $60,000 and I don't know, I could have played a $60,000 guitar up here or something. But when we're called to believe in Jesus, we're called to know what he's up to. Because if we really believe in him, then we have to understand that he wants to flow out of us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do tonight. After we sing and after we leave and after we talk and hug and cry, I'm going to ask that if you can, when you're driving home, drive by our little park. It's on Hayes Park in March. Because not only did the landscaper do it all for free, it is in the middle of becoming the most beautiful little spot in all of Edison. And it is becoming a place where children and moms and families can play and have space together. And we have spent zero dollars.
And I think that's because we got lucky and happened to jump on this thing that God was already doing. And we got to be part of it. And so I don't think the question is, why is Anna gone? What did we do wrong? Why did that person go into Buffalo and shoot all those people? Why did that person go into Texas and kill all of those little kids? And I don't think our job is to try to answer those questions. I think our job is to begin to reinforce the correct parts of the plane and say, Jesus, where are you? Not where do I think we need to reinforce. Where do you want me to put my time and energy so that generations can be changed? So that children can have a safe place to play now? So that families can have a, a room to have Christmas in around a fireplace? So that kids who don't know how to read can check out a book from the little library and learn how to read with a neighbor who loves them and is investing time into them? Maybe that's our question. And I learned all of this from Anna Niebuhr because i am learned from her. We have to ask the question, not what is wrong and why is it wrong and what's wrong with me. We have to ask the question, if I am to leave a legacy, then how am I to love? And Edison Chapel will honor her for the rest of its days by how we choose to love. Jesus, thank you for all these little kids that are here. I thank you so much that in their minds, they do not feel like they have to shut up and sit in the seats and fold their hands, but church is a safe place for them and they love coming because they can crawl under the pews and play with each other. And thank you that this is a place where we can lean on each other and lean on you. In Jesus' name, amen.